0: I know this seems a bit random for us, that we're going to jump over to 1 Timothy, but um, over at uh, Stockton Christian Fellowship, that's what they're studying this fall, and uh, Pastor Santo and I are going to be helping out uh, a little bit, uh, do some sermons on that, and while we're waiting to get back to Genesis, uh, which we are getting back, I promise, um, we are, Uh, While we're waiting, we're going to look at something that's good for our church to think about, just as we prayed about deacons. We're going to understand some of the qualifications of that office and what it does for the life of a church. So if you're able to stand, why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We will be reading uh, verses 8 through 13. Let's hear God's perfect Word to us this morning. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talking talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife, and must manage his household, or sorry, his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. All right, you may take a seat. So I... As I look back on the the jobs that I've had in my life, one job I've never done is waiting tables. And it's probably for good reason that I've never been a waiter. Uh, I'm kind of clumsy, Uh, I have kind of a bad memory, and uh, I tend to trip over things at times. And uh, I don't think I would make a lot of money as a waiter when I would be doing uh, these different things, right? So there's no way I could remember even the simplest order and then get that order to the person in the time that it needs to. But I have had jobs of service. And what I mean by that is I've had jobs where I've had to deal with people, right? A lot of jobs, there are a lot that don't, but a lot of jobs we have to deal with people in one way or another. And people can be picky. People can be temperate, they can be needy, they can be specific, they can be annoying, they can be rude, and I think you get the point. They can be a lot of different things, right? People are people, just like you and me, right? We can be all these things, and therefore, when you're serving people, you get to experience all these different things, but you must smile and say, my pleasure, at least if you work at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. But serving others is difficult work. It requires patience. It requires gentleness that really only Jesus can give. And although every Christian is called to be a servant, there are those that are particularly called to be servants of the church, and that is the office of deacon. The word deacon itself means servant. And the word describes one who actually waits on tables. That's what, when we talk about what we just read, deacons, that's what it means. One who is a servant, one who waits on tables. But not physical tables, waiting on the tables of the church. And today, as we dive into 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to understand who a deacon is and what a deacon does in the life of a local church. So this morning, we're going to see that if the church of Jesus Christ is not to be overrun by false teachers and false doctrine, we need the right leaders. We need the right leaders. The remedy for false teaching and false doctrine is first of all, the right leaders. And as such, the office of deacon, we're going to see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, this is who we should pray for, this is who we should look for, and who prospective deacons should try to want to be, by God's grace. We don't have deacons yet, Uh, we kind of uh, make up for that in different ways, but one day, Lord willing, we as a church will have deacons. We're a young church that's wanting to grow and to be established. We want to be a beachhead here in Atlantic City for a long time to come. And so deacons are a part of that equation of us being a healthy local church now and in the future. So let's first look at what is a deacon. Our passage really doesn't address this question. It's more about who is a deacon. Who is a deacon refers more to the qualifications of that office. But first, let's understand what a deacon is. Acts chapter 6, you can turn over there if you want, but the first seven verses are seen by many as kind of the start of the office of deacon or the precursor to the office of deacon. If you remember, in the book of Acts, the Spirit of God has come in a unique way. And the gospel's being proclaimed, people are believing on the Lord Jesus, they're being enfolded into the life of the local church, and it's a very exciting time. But with these growth, with this growth, and it was much growth, right? Thousands were coming to Christ. It, with that growth comes growing pains. Verse 1 says a complaint came up from a certain group of widows who felt neglected by the church's distribution. So the church was distributing clothes or food or uh, meeting other physical needs for those that couldn't meet those needs themselves. And these certain group of widows felt neglected. And so Paul summoned all the leaders together, and this is what he said. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And so here in the early church, we see the two offices of the church, which is one, the office of elder or pastor. And so Santo and I fulfill that role for this local church. We are your pastors. We are your elders. And again, Lord willing, we want to have other elders from the congregation to serve with us one day. But it's mainly a ministry of the word and ministry of prayer. Right. Our job by in a weekly basis is to take this and to help us all understand it and put it into practice into our lives, whether that's on a Sunday or Wednesday or when we meet up with you guys one on one throughout the week. That's our job. And to pray for you and to pray with you. But then there's also the office of deacon, which is mainly a ministry of service, meeting the practical needs of a church. It's it's concerned with mercy ministry towards those members who are have maybe fallen on hard times, whether it's someone who's a widow who has lost their spouse and can't provide for themselves, or someone who is younger and has fallen on hard times and needs help from the church. The office of deacon seeks to help meet these needs in a variety of ways. And again, we don't have that yet as a church. And so Pastor Santo and I and a group of others, we have a mercy committee. We kind of fill in the gap in the meantime as we wait for God to provide godly men to be elders. So with that in mind, let's turn our attention back to our text at hand. And we're going to really look at who is a deacon or who is qualified to be a deacon. And my goal is to help us to put that before us to say, here is what we should be praying for. And here's what we should be looking for and asking God to bring to us as a local church. So who is a deacon? It can be argued that who you are is just as important or if not more than what you do. Let me say that again. It can be argued that who you are is just as important if not more than what you do. That's because who we are inevitably shows itself in our character meaning we can only fake it for so long, right? We can say that we're upright, godly people, but eventually, if that's not in our heart, it's going to show itself in our life. Another way to say this is that character matters. Who you are matters. And that's particularly true of the leadership of the local church. But we seem to live in a culture that doesn't get this. We're more about functionality than we are about character. What do I mean by this? Well, most times, most employers, whether it's in the business world or political world or whatever, they don't really care about your personal life as long as you can get the job done. Right? As long as you get the job done that you're in office for, or as long as you get the job done that you're at your workplace for, I don't care what your personal life is like. That's what the world a lot of times says. So that's how you have people who have... A home life and a personal life that's a wreck, but then they have this great position of authority in their place of work because we put a disconnect between those two. But in the church of Jesus Christ, it couldn't be farther from that way of thinking. Those two are intimately tied together, who you are and what you do, especially when it comes to the leadership of the church. See, a leader in Christ's church must be tested, must be approved, And for our purposes today, we're going to kind of break these qualifications down into three categories of maturity. We're going to look first at the maturity of personal character, secondly, maturity in family life, and lastly, maturity in holding on to the truth. The man of God that wants to be a deacon, that's called to be a deacon, must be mature in these three categories if he is to serve Christ's church. Serving in leadership of Christ's church is a privilege. It's not something that we deserve if we've been in the church long enough. It's something that is a privilege for God's people to do. And because of that, God reminds us that there has to be a certain level of maturity. Now, what I don't mean is that what the Bible doesn't mean is that they have to be perfect. Obviously, that would mean none of us would ever be ready to be in any type of leadership position in the church. We're all fraught with failure. We're all continuing to be a work in progress, but we still have to work on ourselves. But what the, the Bible is saying here is that it is to have a this person is to have a certain level of maturity as they prepare for this office. Verses 6 and 10 says, it's for not for recent converts, lest they be puffed up. Right? He says that about the office of elder. Same thing for the office of deacon. It's not for someone who's a newbie in the faith. It's great that you're excited about the faith and growing in the faith, but Paul says here that the man of God that wants to be a deacon needs to be tested over a period of time, showing himself worthy and ready for that high calling. So verse 8 says this, Deacons likewise must be dignified not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, nor greedy for dishonest gain. So let's look at these for a few minutes. Dignified. What does this mean? Well, this speaks to the way that he conducts himself towards outsiders, okay? How does this man conduct himself to those inside the church and those outside the church? Does it line up with that God-given dignity that he already has, but he's fleshing it out in his life? It carries the idea of being worthy of respect. So as you would look at this potential person for being a leader in a church, does their life, does their way of uh, uh, their actions line up with being worthy of respect? Not double-tongued. Hear the man's speech must be godly. Literally, it means not speaking out of both sides of your mouth. The man of God means what he says and says what he means. So not only how you carry yourself, but how you carry your speech. Your mouth is to be used for building up and not tearing down. The third one here, which kind of makes obviously sense, not addicted to much wine, but it's also something for us to comment on. This doesn't mean that a a deacon can't enjoy alcohol. Right? The Bible nowhere forbids God's people from enjoying alcohol. And yet the man of God is held to a very high standard. He must show self-control in the way that he enjoys the gift of alcohol in his life. See, each of these uh, qualifications talk about self-control in one way or another. Self-control is something that we gain over time as we mature and grow in the faith this fourth one here not greedy for dishonest gain most of the time when we think about deacons we think about those people that keep up the grounds of the church and handle the money now they do way more than that obviously as we've already talked about but that is one thing that they do and so it kind of goes without saying that you want a deacon to be honest with money right if, you, if they're holding your money, you want them to be honest. Or if they're taking care of the resources and assets of a church, you want them to be men, not out for greedy gain. You don't want a Scrooge or a Bernie Madoff to be your church accountant. So we see here that Deacon's character matters. His personal life is the business of the church in a big way. And so when we look for a church, or sorry, when we as a church one day look for deacons, we are to look at this man's character, this man's way of life. When he says, I feel a sense of call to be a deacon, that gives us access into his life to say, okay, what kind of man are you? Are you this kind of man? But Paul goes on to talk about qualifications as it relates to his family life as well. Verse 11 and 12, Paul speaks about these qualifications of not only the man, but also the man's wife and how he manages his own household. See, when you get married, everything is a joint venture. When you say I do to another person, that means that for life, you guys are going to do life together, whatever God calls you to do. So for the man that's called to the office of deacon, that means that his wife... Is called with him as well in a certain extent. His wife is going to support him, to love him, to serve alongside of him. And so there are certain things even about her character that matters, Paul says to us, who she is to be. Now, again, this is something that our culture thinks the total opposite of, right? If they hire the, the one spouse, they, don't, they could care less about who the other spouse is, again, as long as this person gets the job done. But again, it's something unique to the Bible here in that it's not just looking at the the potential man, but also his wife. Is she a godly woman? Verse seven, it says, wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded and faithful in all things. The wife is to have a thriving relationship with the Lord. She is to seek to be growing in her walk with God, growing in holiness, and expressing that in her life because the the call to the office of deacon is a joint call that God has on that couple. But let's go back to the the husband here for a moment in verse 12. Paul says that a deacon must be faithful to his one and only wife and to be a good steward of his household. So the man that wants to be a deacon, the man that is called to be a deacon, is, that, is one that exercises his authority rightly in his home. How does he shepherd his family? How does he care for his family? How does he disciple his family? The argument goes that Paul gives here for both elder and deacon is if he can't manage his own household, how is he going to manage the household of God? That's the comparison here, right? This is the household of God. And so the, the, the way that he relates to his family is a microcosm of what, how he's going to relate to the church. And so if, he, if he's always angry and impatient and, and stern with his kids, how do you think he's going to act with the church of Jesus Christ? The way that he shepherds his family relates to his readiness or ability to do so in the local church. We see one more category here that's important for us to point out, which is the maturity in holding to the truth. Verse nine, they must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. So God wants us to know that although the office of deacon is not a teaching role like Pastor Santo and I have as your pastors, what this person believes about the Bible is important. You want your deacons to believe the Bible, to read the Bible, to pray the Bible. You want them to to live and to breathe the word of God. So what they believe actually matters, right? Doctrine is not just for the pastor. It's for everybody in the church. But here we're seeing that it is for the deacon. We want the deacons to be those that believe and hold the truth with a clear conscience. They believe God's word, and they'll take it to the bank when it's popular and when it's not popular. So these, we see here, are different qualifications that the Bible gives for this office of deacon. But how do we begin to kind of apply this in our lives, right? Many of us will not be called to the office of deacon but we hope that we will have deacons one day in our church, right? We see it as a vital thing that's going to keep us healthy, moving forward and growing. And so, how do we apply this text to us? Well, the first thing is that we need to pray for these kinds of deacons for our church. Add it to your prayer list, right? If you want to see New City Fellowship of Atlantic City grow and be healthy, add this to your prayer list. Pray that your deacons would be men of godly character, that they would be men who lead their wives and their families well, who hold to the truth of the Bible and do not waver. Put these things on your prayer list, praying that they would be those type of men that could serve our community, that could take care of the grounds of our church, that could meet the practical needs of those that are Uh, fallen on hard times in our local congregation and in our city we need these type of men for our church the second thing I want to say is that there might be some in here that one day God will call to be deacons whether it's for this church or for another church and maybe even now you're sensing that call to say you know what maybe that's something that God you know has, has particularly gifted me to do But for you, I think this text is saying now is the time of preparation. Now is the time that you, as you see those qualifications, you look at them and say, I want to grow in those categories. Maybe I'm not married yet. Maybe I don't have a family, but I can grow in godliness and I can grow in my character and I can grow my understanding of the word of God and holding fast to the word of God and even teaching the word of God as it's appropriate. There may be some that sense this desire, this inkling. And I think what Timothy would remind us of now is that we are to prepare now for that position. It's not just something we wake up the next day and say, you know what? Oh, God's called me to be a deacon. No, there's stages of preparation in order to serve the church in this way. The third application is this, that one of the big ways the church of Jesus Christ is going to guard against false teaching and false doctrine. One of the ways that it will continue to be that pillar and buttress of truth that 1 Timothy talks about is through its godly leadership. And so how are we going to stand as a church and stand in a healthy way in a culture that doesn't like Jesus, in a culture that doesn't believe in God's word, in a culture that tries to get us to compromise each and every moment our faith? Well, one way is that we're going to have godly leaders inside of our church. Godly deacons who believe the truth and serve the church just like Jesus served the church. We know that human leadership is not the end all be all and thank God that it's not. We know that Jesus is at the lead of his church. He is the head of the body. He is the one that is leading our church. He will always lead our church perfectly because it's his church his people, but he does call human leaders to take an important role in the life of a local church, which is why we're studying this text today. So being a servant of the church as a deacon is a big deal. It's not something that you and I should take lightly as we study it, as we pray about it. It's something that each church needs in order to be healthy one day we want to see God raise up elders and deacons from our church to serve alongside of Pastor Santo and I. But you know, serving, as we talked about in the beginning, is not always the most exciting thing. It's not always the most action-packed. It's not always the the, the position that people see and, and, you know, give you all kind of acclamations and awards for. It's hard work. The physical and spiritual needs of a church keep growing day in and day out. And we need deacons. That work will keep you on your toes, actually. Whether we're servants of the church as deacons or more generally as members of the church, Jesus reminds us that the Christian life is all about service. The Christian life that you and I live is a life of serving other people, of serving God. Jesus reminded his disciples of this as they were bickering and jostling for kind of the best position and significance in the kingdom of God. In Mark 10, we, we said this earlier in our call to worship or our preparation for worship. But listen to Mark 10 real, real quick here. You know that those who consider rulers, the Gentiles, lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, the Christian life, whether we're a deacon or just a a church member, is all about service. You and I are called to put down our lives for the sake of others. That's what the call is as a Christian. And there are tons of ways for us to serve in the local church, even if we're not deacons. But as I thought about this text, I began to think about Jesus and how he leads his church. And Jesus really is the ultimate deacon of his church, right? Jesus showed us that here in Mark chapter 10. He always lays his life down for his church. He always serves the tables of the church, the needs of the church. And as we look and pray for Christ-like deacons, I pray that you and I would grow in our awe of Jesus and his servant leadership. He is not only the model of perfect servant leadership, but he is the servant leader of his church. And that should cause us to be grateful. That should cause us to want to praise him for being that leader but then also to pray for those same types of leaders for our church. Jesus is leading his church. Make no mistake about that. And so while we are waiting for deacons, he is leading this small congregation, this little congregation here in Atlantic City. He is growing it stronger and stronger each and every day. But we pray that he would continue to grow it stronger by bringing us leaders, godly deacons, who will serve this local church now until Jesus returns. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And sometimes, all, all the time, we need that light in a dark world. We need your light to shine into our own lives, to the places where we need to grow the places where our character is not lining up with your word. But particularly, I pray, Lord, today for those in this room that maybe one day will serve as a deacon of your church. I pray that you would prepare these men. I pray that you would grow them in godliness, whether they are single or have a family, that they would learn to um, desire to be holy in every aspect of their lives that they would take opportunities to grow and to be stretched and to learn. God, we do pray that one day that you would bring uh, New City Fellowship deacons. We have a lot of prayer requests, Lord, for our church, uh, things that we would love to see happen one day. But this is one thing that we do need. And so we ask you, Lord, that you would provide godly men. I pray even from, from the community here in Atlantic City that you would raise up Godly men that would serve this local church just like you serve Jesus. We know that's a, a big prayer request, but we know that you can do it, Lord. And so we pray uh, that you would help us to trust you, that you would help us to worship you in the meantime, and to be in awe of the way that you lead your church, King Jesus. We worship and glorify you alone and pray this in your name. Amen.